Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host Wazzy Lambray, aka Big Waz. Joined as always by my comrade, my partner in crime, my fellow hippie, commie, socialist scum. It's Nando Vila. What's up, Nando? The correct term is pinko, Waz. Oh, pinko. pinko. Oh, yeah. excuse me, pinko. You know, I'm learning. I learn something from you every single episode. That's right, baby. And so uh, on today's show, we got a jam-packed show uh, for y'all today. Joined as always, of course, Rob Lopez on the ones and threes, keeping the trains running on time. Uh, on today's show, Nina Turner uh, is running for a congressional seat out of Ohio. She's an actual progressive person and candidate. Uh, she's in the state Senate currently in Ohio. So she's, you know, I mean, she's trying to climb them ranks. We're really excited about that. The Dems and the Republicans somehow finally mercifully have come to an agreement on a stimulus package. It's actually an improvement from that nonsense bipartisan joint we talked to y'all about last week. So we'll keep you up to date on that. Diane Feinstein is losing it, y'all. Um, <laughs> this isn't just a rumor. This isn't conjecture. Um, it's been going on for a while now, and it's sowing dissent within the party People are pretty pissed off about it. We'll talk about the implications of her refusal to step down and just the hierarchical nature of the Democratic Party um, and the problems that it causes. Also on today's show, and finally to begin today's show, actually, we're going to talk about Joe Biden, Nando. Yep. He had a meeting with some black leaders. Yes, he did. 
last week or it leaked last week on the intercept right before the weekend. So you guys might have missed it because it happened right as the weekend hit. But the intercept linked an audio, a Zoom call of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris talking to a bunch of black leaders from NAACP, Al Sharpton, different activist group, corporate interests, all of these black people who were basically on the call to explain to Joe that, look, we went hard for you. We helped you get election. I mean, excuse me, helped you get elected. We expect some things in return in the form of cabinet posts from people who we mess with within your administration. Um, Nando, safe to say this conversation kind of went off the rails several different times. Um, At one point, Joe Biden talked about how uh, because he sees biracial people or black and white people in commercials, it's a sign of progress in America and that the younger generation is way more hip to some of this stuff. I am incredibly optimistic. Let me tell you why. I'm incredibly optimistic because society is changing. The Z generation and young millennials are changing. Now, you're not going to maybe agree with what I'm about to say, but take a look at what is happening. 15 years ago, could you turn on the television and see three or four out of seven commercials be biracial commercials? What do you think, guys? Huh? What do you think? Uh, but what we wanted to concentrate today, t- today on, and Rob is going to splice in this audio for you guys, I'm sure. At one point, <laughs> he bizarrely says that he was the only person talking about uh, Charlottesville and 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 and. and I'm the only and- white boy who did it. He said. He literally <laughs> said. It. He literally goes. I'm the only white boy who did it. I'm the only white boy you know who did it. I didn't want to run this time. I ran this time because of the racist son of a gun who was president of the United States of America. That's why I ran. And you'll remember, a lot of you told me talking about the soul of America was going over people's heads. They didn't know what we're talking about. The words of a president matter. What a president says matters. And you've never seen me shy away. In the middle of the debate, I called him a racist. In the middle of the debate with him, I took on white supremacists. I'm the guy that took on every single time somebody was threatened in this country. The only white boy you know who did it, period, out there. Every single time. What? (laughs) What? The funniest part, the funniest part to me about this this whole exchange and this whole thing with the end, it was a very long video and it wasn't supposed to be public. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a public event. It was a private event. So this is how you get... No, it's like the real Joe Biden, right? Because mm-hmm. he didn't think it was going to be a public thing. It was leaked. Um, right. And the NAACP, well, let's be clear. The NAACP is not some radical group. The NAACP no. is thoroughly establishment. And the NAACP <laughs> uh, people who were uh, on this Zoom call with Joe Biden were like offering up the most polite m- mild criticism even if you can call it criticism it wasn't even that it was just kind of like very mild tepid suggestions that maybe they could like a little, little bit more diversity in the cabinet or whatever. and to this i was like all right fuck this this is what i okay i've had enough of this shit from you guys here's what i gotta say i gotta say i'm the best friend of the black man who's ever existed and it like just goes off like and i know you guys are like what the 
fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, yep. he just he just completely exploded. It was it was it's pretty funny. I mean, and it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like we can't really complain, right? We knew who Joe Biden was. We knew mm-hmm. that um, he's not gonna. These people uh, exist to not listen to activists or anything like that. Even someone as mild mannered and tepid as the as the NAACP. Like, you guys have to be grateful for me. Like, you guys have to thank me for what I do. Shut up, get in line, and be grateful. And if you ask for anything, I will shut you out. Um, you know, Joe Biden is the man who gave the eulogy at, at Strom Thurmond's funeral. Uh, that's just a fact. I mean, Joe Biden is the man who uh, gave cover to northern liberals on the issue of busing. He he broke with the rest of his northern liberals in the 1970s and uh, and turned against busing in the Senate. He was the key in that. You know, he was the key in sort of creating this new alliance with southern segregationists um, on the issue of busing. So, yeah, we're not going to we're not going to discover Biden, but it's just just watching it was very bracing. I don't carry around a stamp on my head saying progressive and I'm AOC, but I have a more of a record of getting things done in the United States Congress than anybody you know. It speaks to something that I think is important. And I know people get on this because they're like, oh, you guys are still relitigating the campaign. Bernie lost. Shut up and get over it. Blah, 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 blah. Cool. That's great. Yes, Joe Biden won. But part of what these guys like to tell me when they're condescending to me, the centrist types, when they're like, well, here's Bernie's problem. He never had to talk to black people to win his any of his races. And so he couldn't level with black people and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, all right, cool. Theoretically cool. Joe Biden did have to go to places like black churches in Delaware to win his Senate seat and all of that kind of stuff. And he, he definitely knows prominent black people over there. And he's interfaced in his life with black people. But what's been the result of that? Like, th- like, the way the man, the dismissiveness, the the nature that he talks to these people, like guys, I, I didn't do all of this to to be lectured to by you idiots. Yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what's going on, and guess what? I'm the hippest white boy you're gonna get. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm. You should the be one. thankful I'm, to me. You should be bowing down and thanking me. And again, these are not like. Let's face it, this is not the type of shit me and Nando would have said in that meeting. No. <laughs> not, not, not even close. There's no way. And, and what he did was just condescend to them over and over again. And speaking these weird-ass, droning on platitudes, he's cutting off Kamala Harris, the yeah. Yas Queen Queen. He yeah. was completely dismissive of her. Um, there was a couple of things that were very telling to me. The highlight, of course, was that I'm the only white boy who did it. <laughs> Um, and how I know this is that some other white guy called me and told me. Um, uh, there was one point where he, what I thought was the most telling thing was he's like, you never go after the wealth. Never go after the wealthy. No, you don't do that. Never go after the right. wealth. I was like, wow, he just said that shit just straight up. Out loud. Like, straight I up. would never challenge the money class. No. They're what's great. Clearly, everybody else is the problem here. It's it's incredible, dude. Yeah, and of course he was like, and oh, you guys, by the way, shut up about defund the police. It's gonna, it's co- it cost us uh, this election, <laughs> and it's gonna cost us in Georgia. When one of the guys was like, listen, maybe the you know nominating Tom Vilsack to be the agricultural secretary, the guy who fired Shirley Sherrod uh, in like a blatant right wing kind of smear. 
um, during the Obama era. Maybe maybe having, you know, and Shirley Sherrod, who was like the Stacey Abrams before Stacey Abrams, right? You know, like in Georgia, beloved uh, in Georgia, um, was kind of sold out to drive by Obama and Tom Vilsack. And so one of the one of the people on the Zoom was like, yeah, maybe that wasn't such a great idea for the purposes of like this Georgia Senate, um, the Senate race that we need, you know, black people to turn out for. Maybe like just a slap in the face like that wasn't a great idea. He's like, Biden's like, you know what wasn't a great idea? Talking about defund the police. You know, like this is what costs us like, shut up. You know, like just, just like completely just telling him to shut up and get in line and be grateful. We should get too far ahead of ourselves on dealing with police reform in that because they've already labeled us as being defund the police. Anything we put forward in terms of the organizational structure to change policing, which I promise you will occur, promise you. Just think to yourself and give me advice whether we should do that before January 5th, because that's how they beat the living hell out of us across the country, saying that we're talking about defunding the police. We're not. We're talking about holding them accountable I mean, I can't even imagine what would the reaction be from your Joanne Reeds of the world had Bernie spoken to the head of the NAACP in this tone. You know, like, oh, my God, like he would have been. I got a thousand lawyers on this way more than you guys have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just it's brutal. I, mean, it's, it's I hope I hope Rob cuts in the clips because it's like just I, you have to listen to it. You have to listen to it. It is just yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. It's it's amazing. It's, you know, again, it just doesn't argue well for the things that we care about. Like Joe, no. like we said, Joe Biden can't be the vessel for things that matter to normal people. And again, why it matters is because he's going to go do go four years without not doing a single thing for rank and file American while kissing the asses of every single business interest imaginable in the process and it's going to cost the Democrat seats. It's probably going to cost them the next election. Whatever. I want to be more optimistic than that, but like this shit is predictable, man. Like it, it like he's showing you, he's telling everybody, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And again, um, just the idea that black people should have definitely rallied around and supported him because he had the support of establishment blacks. Yeah. Jim Clyburn. And yeah, you know, like these establishment black people, Let's face it, they don't they are so completely out of touch with the needs and wants of everyday Americans just by virtue of the fact that they think Joe Biden is the one to deliver those ends to them. Yeah. That shows you they're out of touch. Just that they think Joe Biden is the one that would do that. He's the one that would be more minimal. He's the one that once he gets in power, we'll be able to shift them and prod them and poke them and get them to do this. Like, why would we ever have thought that? No. It's ridiculous, man. And that call is, I'm sorry, if you've been lectured to about the malleability and the practical nature of Joe Biden, and you listen to that man on that call, it's fucking disgusting and infuriating. I'm sorry, man. I'm sick of censures. Have your little victory lap. This shit is going to be a disaster. But I love y'all. Um, <laughs> we move on to cabinet talk because, yeah. again... Cabinet talk is a consistent feature of this show, and it's going to be consistent until Joe Biden gets, um, till his inauguration in January. Of course, Axios leaks a report that says that Joe Biden is looking at mega, literally, quote unquote, mega Whitman types 
um, to fill out Commerce Secretary as a way to signal to red state Americans he understands <laughs> their concerns and plans to address them. Let's let's just tackle. Let's the, unpack that one. Yeah. Let's just tackle the ridiculousness of that just really quickly. Red state voters, red staters aren't red staters because of Republican commerce and economic policy. Nope. So, like, the only time they stray from Republicans are on the basis of economics and commerce. Right. So the idea that you're going to get an establishment Republican type to reach out to rank-and-file Republicans is Ridiculous. the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my freaking life. Like... That is just insane. Oh, and yeah. Then of Wait, course- Waz, you mean like uh, someone in red state, like in Alabama or in West Virginia, is going to look at the 100 millionaire woman from California, uh, CEO of Hewlett Packard and CEO of Quibi in Hollywood and be like, oh, yeah, she gets me. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's insane. And then they said, well, if he doesn't go with some establishment Republican type, a basically, you know, a fake ass Rockefeller Republican, which is like, okay, because because the party has shown to just love Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan types. Like those are just their favorite fucking Republicans, clearly. Um, he'll get a CEO like Ursula Burns, the the former CEO of Xerox. So that um, this this person who's apolitical, he'll get somebody who's apolitical, as if CEOs of multi billion dollar corporations are apolitical. On what planet do these people live on? And they sell, they peddle this moonshine in places like Axios and um, you know, Politico, because they know like this, this shit gets laundered for the suburbanite white people who they love the most anyway. Yeah, and it's just. It doesn't track with anything reality-based. Like, no red stater is going to hear about Meg Whitman and get their like, dicks hard. I'm yeah. sorry. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, Meg Whitman, who is, again, CEO of Hewlett-Packard, CEO of Quibi, the very, like, spectacular, the most the most spectacular failure, failure. in Hollywood history was this company failure. called Quibi. Like $3 um, which, billion dollars to Yeah, fail. Meg Whitman was the CEO of. She ran for governor of California a few years ago and spent, like, a fortune of her own money to try to become the governor of California. Um, failed in that, in that attempt as well. Um, again, this is not, I mean, they're using that excuse like, oh, we need to tell, like, Republicans that... We're, you know, we we get them. We're, we we understand them. Like that's just bullshit. This is just, this is just a, another excuse to get a plutocrat um, into an important cabinet post to signal to the plutocrat class, don't worry, I got you, I got you covered. This is what that is. It's a signal to the moneyed class. Don't worry, we're not gonna touch your money. Just don't. Like we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna like you know maybe do some things here and there, but not in terms of your money. We're not gonna touch your money. Don't worry about that. One bit for one <laughs> second. That's what that is. So and and again and be, and the re and and again, guys. Just remember, the, out of Joe Biden's mouth, the reason why you should be thankful for him is that he's gonna acknowledge that Charlottesville was a horrible act. Oh my goodness! It's like the bare minimum. <laughs> it's just like the, the, our expectations are so low. Oh. Yeah, Charlottesville was a um objection. Yeah, it was not a very good, not very good. It was a bad act, y'all. Y'all needed Joe Biden to get because what the president says matters. Right. Um, and Joe Biden saying that matters more than 
who he picks for commerce secretary, who he picks for agriculture secretary, who he surrounds himself with as far as his advisors in his um, you know, in his administration, who he's taking cues from. That don't worry your little pretty little heads with that, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. No. <laughs> Joe Biden is woke. Come he's on. Woke. He spoke out against racism. Come on. Civility. Come on. That's how you're going to fucking feed your kids in the morning, folks. Because Joe Biden said that racism was fucked up. That's that's what's going to get us through the day. That's what's going to get us through the worst economic crisis in God knows how long. It's Joe Biden rubbing us on our asses and telling us it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's infuriating. Um, yeah. In, and then, in, in in other cabinet news, um, sorry guys, it just gets more depressing, but not really depressing. I think this is actually kind of funny. funny. Yeah, we talked about them them offering to send Pete Buttigieg to China. Um, seems like they've settled on transportation secretary. Not gonna lie, I'm not afraid to admit, Nando. I have no idea what the fuck the transportation secretary does. Um, does he <laughs> come up with the designs for the Metro card? Uh, who knows? Like, um, what 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 is a transportation secretary's job, and why is it hilarious that Pete Buttigieg <laughs> sold his own campaign out in order to get this job? I mean, there's like important kind of policy decisions to be made about like the interstate highway system, you know, any gotcha. sort of interstate rail, busing, all that stuff. But again, um, you know, airline stuff. But again, you know, Pete Buttigieg has like zero experience in any of this shit. Like he was the mayor of a, of a fucking small town. Like that's all he's ever done <laughs> other, than, other than being in the CIA uh, allegedly. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious because they had to give Pete Buttigieg something because of because of the of the sort of dive he took um, in the primary, right? It's like he, you know, like a boxer takes a dive, like in the third round. Yeah. That's what Pete Buttigieg did. He took a dive in the primary, and he needed to get paid. And they wanted to give him a uh, veteran, <laughs> the VA, the the Department of Veterans Affairs, because he was a troop. And he's like, "Fuck that! I'm not t- touching that. That's awful." Um, so they're like, "Okay, well, what, what can we give him?" He wanted something like Secretary of State. He wanted maybe the ambassador to the UN, something prestigious and international. And they're like, okay, we'll send you the ambassador to China. And he was probably like, no, I don't want that. So they're like, (laughs) okay, fine, we'll give you transportation. And that was like good enough for him. So he took transportation. Again, he knows literally nothing about this. Like literally, like you or I would be as good of a transportation secretary as Pete Buttigieg. But that's what that is. It's, you know, it's the brazen corruption and incompetence and and favoritism that you see and we criticize uh, like when people on the right do it but this time it's 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 the democratic party doing it just rewarding a guy for playing ball for being a team player and yeah i mean it, it's you know funny like people who does now is like you know it just being hilarious kind of quotes coming out of him being like actually uh this is a this is like a direct quote like actually i've been in love with transportation since i was a little boy it's like what <laughs> You know, and then the only the only like someone like did some digging about his tenure uh, as South Bend mayor. And like one of the things he did is like he commissioned like a a consultant to study, you know, the efficiency of like certain traffic lights. And they they determined that like this one corner had like an inefficient traffic light or some shit. So they took it out. And then a little boy um, on his way to school got hit by a car and was killed. Um, and, uh, and you know, they, they're like, what the fuck this, there used to be a traffic light here. And he's like, well, you know, that little boy ran out on the street. Like, you know, we would, we don't know if, if the traffic light would have saved him or not. Um, yeah, that's our, our next transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg. 
Lord have mercy. And so, <laughs> and as we move on, guys, we're going to try to keep you abreast as to what's happening in this administration. Again, um, not mad at the Fed lady. And that's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically been it. It's been a freaking nightmare and just horrible outside of that. And another thing I think it's important to point out, because I think centrists will listen to this and be like, oh, these guys are so stupid, pie in the sky. That's why they get their asses kicked. Um, part of why we love Bernie is that he doesn't have any friends. And so he's not beholden to the power structure. But part of why he lost is that he doesn't have any friends, right? It's like the gift and the curse with Bernie is that, you know, that's the thing that I kind of do. I think that as, as actual lefties in the party, we have to recognize and figure out how to square is that we did get the sort of pure version of somebody who we we would want to run in that he literally didn't have any of the connections. He never did anything like what Pete Buttigieg just did. He never did any of that stuff within the party. And so he was able to act on his own morals and principles. It wasn't about back scratching and favor doing and horse trading. Because he just never participated. But, you know, at the same token, that's what essentially took him down. Like, the Clyburns of the world, the, the fact that Obama can call certain people and be like, you need to do this. Because they all like to play ball with each other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And say what you want. That's what gets these motherfuckers through in all of this. It's the willingness to play ball, um, even in the face of immoral and counterproductive shit, which brings us to Diane Feinstein, man. Um, <laughs> what's going on with her is so many things. Um, it's just wrong. Um, she's clearly out of her depth. She's no longer, you know, mentally competent. And hold on, let me slow down. Jay Mayer yeah. um, of, of the New Yorker just wrote a ridiculous expose about Diane Feinstein essentially no longer having all of her faculties at her, you know, disposal anymore. And basically all people around her, people who are staffers in the Senate, Chuck Schumer had to even get involved. Like she's 88 years old. She's been in the Senate for 28 years. She's probably needs to be retired, but she's holding on to this seat and they've had a hard time basically telling her nicely to get out of here. Of course, um, she has a lot of important positions because she is one of the most senior people within the Democratic Party and how those committee positions are apportioned is by seniority. Um, and so she's like, she's at the head of the Judiciary Committee, right? She botched the Amy Coleman Barrett thing. She botched the Kavanaugh situation. She botched a bunch of things. And she's basically intractable because, yes, she did win her seat, uh, her election seat in California. Shame on y'all, fellow Californians. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, Nando, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm just like, what do they really do about this besides this type I mean, of hit piece in the public? And it's important to to point out too that Jane Mayer is not some like bomb throwing radical no. or anything like that. I mean, she's she's one of the best investigative journalists in America. She's the one who uncovered like basically has spent her life uh, reporting on the Coke 
the Coke, the Coke Brothers, Brothers uh, network. She wrote a book on it. Um, she's written several pieces on it, like on how the Koch brothers money um, kind of influences all our politics. And so she's not like some kind of like anti-democratic party, you know, no. uh, bomb throwing Hell radical, no. you know. So, and you would but, never get you know, nothing like that in a New Yorker, first of all. No, 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 of course not. <laughs> but like she tells a story of how like Diane Feinstein, you know, in, in the hearing, the Silicon Valley hearings that were happening just now, she asked Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, like a very pointed question, right? Like, and it was like a very long kind of. It was a good question. She delivered it well. Good question. She delivered it well. Jack Dorsey answered it. And as soon as he finished talking, she just asked the same exact question using the same exact kind of intonation and wording and everything. She just kind of like had a brain fart and just repeated the same exact thing that she had just repeated five minutes ago. And they tell stories of how like, you know, she goes to briefings and she learns about something and then she forgets about that. They even had the briefing 10 minutes later. And then she gets mad at the staff for being for like not briefing her on something. They're like, Yo, we just we just told you about this ten minutes ago, um, and yeah, like you said, she's I think she's eighty seven years mm. old, eighty seven years old, and like you know, this is dicey territory to talk about it. Like you don't want to become you don't want to come off as ageist or whatever, but like the average age was of the House leadership in uh, the Democratic Party is seventy two years old. That's the average age of the leadership. The Republicans is forty eight. Mm. Okay, so almost three decades younger. And it's not because necessarily the Republicans are um, electing younger people, although it seems like they are. It's really, it has to do with the way the two parties differ in how they pick their leadership. The Democrats still hold on to a very old school um, system in which it's pure seniority. You know, like if you get elected to the Senate, you won't be the head of a committee until you're in your late 70s. You could you could spend twenty or thirty years in the Senate waiting around for your committee um, uh, for your, like you know as you kind of make your way up just by because other people die and retire, you know so and it's pure seniority. Whereas the Republicans rotate, you know, so you have guys in leadership who are much younger um, and therefore have like more energy to fight, you know, like more. That's why you see the Republicans have a little bit more kind of you know blood in their veins. It seems like where the whereas the Democrats are just like these ancient people. Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi is like 79 years old, you know, like they're just completely out of touch um, with with the needs of their much younger electorate. Right. Because their electorate, the, the base of the Democratic Party, the voters of the Democratic Party skew younger than Republican voters. So it creates this like very strange problem in which um, there's just the Democratic Party does not reflect its voting base at all, at all. And, you know, Feinstein is just like kind of the most the clearest example example of that. She's the oldest senator um, in, in America and, yeah, is clearly losing it. And they're kind of keeping her around. You know, she's the senator from California, the, the largest state in America. Like, it's just uh, everything about it is is kind of is troubling and crazy. And really, you know, it speaks to the um, sort of decrepit nature of our system and especially the Democratic Party. Um, you know, how unwilling it is to reform itself and why it's so difficult to change anything. It's because it's controlled by these dinosaurs. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, is, is that another thing it made me think of was how unwilling people are to just relinquish power ever. Right. Yeah. Like Diane yeah. Feinstein. Oh, yeah. It's intoxicating. Diane Feinstein. <laughs> At the end of her t current term, will be 91 years old. 
Like, I mean, yeah. and she'll run again for sure. Seriously, I mean, like, like you, you did it. You spent twenty eight years in the Senate. Like, it'd be fine if you just stepped down, dude. Like, it would be just yeah. fine. And that there's no mechanism in place that like people could just, people within the party could step in and be like, look, she's let's just she did resign her post as the head of the Judiciary Committee, which is great. Um, but you know, like we still got people like, and the piece mentioned this people like Dick Durbin and all these other cats who are just yeah, dinosaurs, like 70s, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Dinosaurs. Well, I mean, and this thing isn't this isn't new information, right? When when Dianne Feinstein ran for re-election uh, last time around, I think it was in 2018. Um, she, you know, this there was a lot of people saying like, "Yo, she should," you know, there should be a kind of. But like, of course, like all the liberals are like, that is just, you just fake that because she's a woman, you know, like, and you wouldn't say that if she was a man and blah, 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 blah. But it's like, no, no, no. There was already talk about this last time she ran for reelection. And then the, the important thing is that because she's the head of the Judiciary Committee, she's the first line of defense against the thing that they always tell us is the most important reason to vote for Democrats is because we can't have these conservatives on the Supreme Court. Right. So. She's running these judicial hearings on the Democratic side. She's the head of the Judiciary Committee. And both with Kavanaugh and especially with Amy Coney Barrett, the Democrats led by, uh, in the hearings just completely laid down. You know, they, they, they did not gum up the works in any way, the way the Republicans would have if the situation was reversed. And it's because, you know, that's why you see images of Dianne Feinstein hugging Lindsey Graham after the Amy Comey Barrett confirmation, this incredibly dangerous development in American politics. And she's like, thank you so much, you know, for this. This was great. I loved you. I love you. Um, blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, all the Democratic voters are like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Lindsey Graham, like, she gave him a big old hug and a kiss like, Lindsey, you were so great with this. Oh, my God. Yeah. You ran the best judicial hearing yeah. I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Oh, Lord, have mercy, man. But anyway, I, I would encourage all of you guys to go read that Jay Mayer piece in The New Yorker because that shit is eye-opening, man. People on her staff, former staffers, people on the staff of other senators that have to work with her very closely, they are just like, this shit is bad and it needs to stop soon because she is making grave mistakes and it's only going to get worse as her... You know, her health deteriorates, man. And we don't want to be the person that's dumping on an old person. But, like, this is a freaking important-ass job. Important yeah. job, you know. And so, man, I would I would encourage you guys to go read that. And which leads us, of course, because she is in the Senate. Um, it seems like they've come to an agreement, Nando, in the Senate about a stimulus package. As we mentioned at the mm -hmm. top of the show, it's an improvement upon... The three hundred dollar pittance they were offering, and and um, you know maybe two hundred on top of unemployment, and yada yada yada. Um, could you give us the particulars? That you know the basically the high points of of what's being offered here. Yeah. So uh, the the overall package is going to be worth nine hundred billion dollars, which is about half of what President Trump was willing to <laughs> offer um, Nancy Pelosi just in the fall when he was desperate for reelection. Um, Originally, this bipartisan committee, uh, the sort of problem solvers and, you know, these people, uh, Joe Manchin and, and Mitt Romney and them came up with a package that didn't include something like stimulus checks. 
Um, but then Bernie uh, Sanders and Josh Hawley threatened to um, essentially shut down the government um, and force uh, senators to stay in Washington over their Christmas break. <laughs> um, if because, you know, because of the weird way the Senate works, it works by something called unanimous consent. It is possible for like a single senator to basically kind of um, gum up the affairs of the day so much that they have to like delay um, uh, the the passage of something, you know, and things like that. And so they were they they credibly threatened them with um, uh, keeping them around for the Christmas holiday, but also um, shutting down the government because there there had to be a spending bill passed this week because the government was going to run out of money without without a new appropriation. So that's why they that's why it was thanks to basically Bernie Sanders and Josh Hawley who's a Republican, um, that this actually happened. And what they ended up mustering was um, $600 checks for people. So we got the 1,200 last time. This time we're getting 600. It's about half uh, uh, the overall package of what it was the first time around. It's the bare minimum. Listen, it's, it's, it's something has to be passed because like at the end of the year, millions of people are gonna be left with no money, with an inability to pay rent, inability to get food on the table, you know, like so. This is the absolute bare minimum, um, but it just shows you like how much to what extremes we had to go to just to get this absolutely bare minimum, like absolutely bare minimum. Um, but yeah, I mean, at least something is going to happen, you know, and it's going to it's going to, uh, you know, hold people over for, and, and, for and a little just bit. Just know, just but, know yeah. that. Your president-elect is not going to go. He's not going to use his bully pulpit to tie this around the neck of the Republicans. He's not going to no. use his bully pulpit to be like, why the hell was it so easy and uncomplicated to pass $4 trillion for the business interests? And Mitch McConnell threw sand in the skids. The Republicans basically said, fuck that. We don't want to help average people. At every single turn, sabotaged it. He's not going to go out and stump on this. He's not going to use the bully pulpit of the presidency to advocate on behalf of us. He's not. Because fundamentally, why the hell would I ever go after wealth? I'm the white boy who talks about Charlottesville. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I just think that's important for people to know, man. Like this dude is not going to go out and advocate on behalf of the people who are hurting the most. He's literally just telling you, like, nah, I just give a fuck about the people who already got it. He said it in that call. Um, and, and so shouts to Bernie Sanders and shouts to Josh Hawley. Sorry, I, I get that he's a Republican and they're all supposed to be evil scum. But, you know, this guy stood up and said, nah, we got to kind of do better for people here. Um, and so salute yeah. to him for, for helping get getting this through and making this happen. I hope people, you know, be able to get through the holidays in a more manageable fashion than they would have. Um, without this help. And so we move on to round out our show on some good news, Nando. Nina Nina yep. Turner is yep. running for a congressional seat out of Ohio. She's actually for real a dyed in the wool progressive. Um she's she's currently a state senator in Ohio. So this isn't just somebody just swooping in and trying to figure out the lay of the land. You know what I'm saying? Like She's she's making her bones out there politically, and she's trying to run as the latest member of a to become the latest member of a you know a slowly but growing progressive cohort within the house. And so for that, I'm really excited. I'm probably gonna donate yeah. to her campaign. I I want to oh, see yeah. good things happen for her. Nando, talk to the people about why it's dope. Why it's so dope that Nina Turner's running. 
Well, Nina Turner was one of Bernie's co uh, campaign co-chairs. Um, you know, she was instrumental in the Bernie campaign, uh, very close to him, um, and state senator from Ohio. And just just go on YouTube and, and, and look up one of her speeches at any Bernie rally. This woman is very inspirational, like so fucking fiery. Um, no doubt as to where her heart lies on any issue. You know what I mean? Like, you know that she's going to go to the bitter end for working people, for for the poor in this country, that she will fight as hard as anyone you could you could hope for in that position. Um Obviously, we're going to see. She, so the, the context is that there's going to be a special election in Ohio because uh, Marsha Fudge, who we talked about in, uh, I don't know if it was the last episode of the episode before, um, is going to become the uh, secretary yep. of HUD. <laughs> um, and she's in, the, she's in the House from Ohio. So there's going to be a special election sometime soon. Um, Nina Turner has already announced her campaign. She's going to raise a lot of money because the whole Bernie machinery is behind her. Our revolution is behind her. Rokana has already endorsed her. Like, you know, the squad is going to be behind her, all that stuff, which means she's going to raise a lot of money, which also means that your Nancy Pelosi's of the world, <laughs> your Chuck Schumer's of the world, um, your MSNBC's of the world are going to go hard against her. <laughs> and you're probably going to see, you know, like we saw the shenanigans that happened to Alex Morse and we mm -hmm. saw like, you know, they're going to see Nina Turner coming from a mile away. It's not going to be like AOC, no. which is which who snuck up on they're gonna so They're going to be allied and they're going to be allied against her. Oh, big time. So this is going to be one to watch because it's going to be the latest battle in the ongoing war between people who care about changing this country and people who want to keep it the same um, and within the Democratic Party, the establishment versus the kind of progressive wing. Um, and I think that if Nina Turner does get in there, if Nina Turner does win, I think she will immediately become one of the most inspirational political leaders in this mm. country. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll ride with Nina Turner till the bitter end. You know, um, she just has she just has a way about her that is that is that is different. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, she's she she she's just I don't know. She's the real thing that that's it's hard. It's hard not to. It's hard to it's hard to describe it in any other way. Just like look her up on YouTube. You know, she's very much the real thing. She's never going to sell out. Like never, never, never going to sell out. They're never going to be able to get her on anything. Um, so I'm I'm definitely going to donate to her. And I, I really, really hope she wins. And so before we wrap, Nando, we talked about this early. I just wanted because I remember months ago when we thought that Lionel Messi was going to land at Man City, man. I'm, I'm still, oh. still upset about that as City sort of stumbles out the blocks here to start the season and to start the Champions League. Um, I wanted to do a La Liga check-in. Mainly because, of course, you know, we talked about the struggles at Barcelona that led to Messi wanting to leave. But also, I feel like Real has been in a bit of a sort of transitional period ever since Ronaldo left for Juventus. So, and they have traditionally been the two dominant squads. That's not to say that Atletico doesn't get busy or whatever, but we know yeah. who the fucking two big kahunas are. Um, Nando, talk to us about so far what's been happening in La Liga. Well, you know, well, Real Madrid did struggle with when Ronaldo left, but they did win the league yep. last year. So that that was, you know, um, and then this year they kind of stumbled out the block and Atletico de Madrid, who's their big rivals uh, it, within the city of Madrid, um, are in a pretty strong position in first place right now. Um, but Madrid and Atletico played last weekend and Madrid won pretty 
pretty convincingly. They won 2-0 and, and dominated the whole game. So it looks like Madrid is coming back to life, mm. um, especially now they're getting healthy and 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 some of their players are coming back. Barcelona is in a complete, <laughs> no, absolute tailspin right now. <laughs> they're like way off the pace and their president actually resigned and called early elections. And so they're in the midst of a presidential campaign right now. You know, people don't realize this, but like both Madrid and Barcelona have votes. Wait, for, could you explain that to the people? Like, yeah. so, <laughs> so who? Yeah, it's who, crazy. It's like you could vote for the. That's next, what the I next was about to say. So, yeah. who owns um, uh, Barcelona? It works kind of like it works. The biggest analogy that you can get in the United States is kind of like a country club or a yacht mm. club or something. It's owned by its members. Okay, wow. So you you pay a fee to become a member wow. of. Madrid or Barcelona. And I'm actually a member of Madrid. Oh, actually, look uh, yeah. at you. And so only only members can be season ticket holders, for example, and only members can vote in the election. But both clubs have more or less between 100 and 200,000 members. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so they vote. And so every four years, there's a campaign for president. And it's one of the members. It works like the Commodore of a yacht club or like the president of a country club where they run in a little campaign and the members of the country club uh, pick their, uh, you know, their favorite one to be. The so president. okay, um, so you're you're a member of the Madrid, you're a Madrid yeah. member. I did not know this about you. Yeah. I can't wait to tell my I dad did, this. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a season ticket holder too. If you're ever in Madrid, I got take two tickets. Oh my god! Don't don't threaten me with a good time, Nando. Um, I've never been yeah. to Madrid because because um we never it's we amazing. never planned to go to Madrid because they told me Madrid was the more stayed, the more button up. No. It's 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 no the way, classier. It's the opposite. I, was like, I am not classy no, 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 enough no, no, for no, Madrid. No. <laughs> no 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 no. It's completely backwards. Mm. It's completely backwards. Madrid is the bigger party. Oh town. wow, um, that's about that. to yeah, be yeah, a yeah, bigger yeah, yeah. party town. Madrid, Madrid, like the classic thing for the classic thing for an American to go to Madrid is like, oh, I'm gonna go out to dinner. <laughs> Fast forward and they're like stumbling home at eight thirty in the morning. It's like bright sunshine, you know. Okay, um, so I'm I'm, yeah. I'm gonna make this Madrid thing happen then for sure. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but but you guys are is you, is Madrid up for re-election or election right now? They're up for uh, they have an election. I I don't think next year. I think the year after. I think it's in twenty twenty. Okay, and, and so Barcelona has an election coming up. And typically, how do these guys campaign? What do they like? This is so interesting to me. What do they do? It's crazy. I mean, there should be like a. <laughs> I I mean, I should do something for like the athletic or something. But like, uh, it's they they campaign. Basically, the the current Madrid president invented this, but they they basically campaign largely these days on promising. Signings. Wow. Like, like Madrid, the, the current Madrid president won in the year 2000. His fir- the first time he was president, he, he's been president two, in two different stints. The first time was he won in the year 2000 by promising he was going to bring, if he won, the captain and best player of Barcelona at the time, who was Luis Figo. Oh, wow. And so everyone was like, what the fuck? He was like, I, if I win president, I promise I will and bring Luis it. Figo. And if Luis Figo doesn't come, I will personally pay... A year's worth of the membership of everyone in, in the club and their season ticket price. What? I personally, out of so, his fortune, he put he put the money on the line, and and lo and behold, when he became president, Luis Figo trotted oh over to Madrid, God. Um, which he was the captain and best player of Barcelona, the best player in the world that year. And so you just those, so you guys could know, like this is like there's no way to even compare it. Um, that like. 
Johnny Damon going to the to the Yankees was oh, like no, something. Come on. It's oh the, my God. No. you can't. I no, can't no. even explain to you how scandalous and crazy this was that Figo would go from being a god at Barcelona to the 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 bitter hated Madridistas. That's that's just that is just an incredible story. Yeah. And fun fact, Nando, um, I ignorantly wore a Figo jersey. Um, mm. his his. In his Barcelona. Portugal jersey, mind you, yeah, in, yeah, in, no, in Barcelona you to a club. No, you cannot and the do security that. guard said, that. in good conscience, I cannot let you in this club with that jersey. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, this is not Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. This is Figo. And he's like, that's even fucking worse. And he was just oh, basically, I had to buy the T-shirt on um, the merch from the club to wear inside. This is a true story, y'all. And hey, he did you a and solid. The, the dude said, the reason why I cannot let you in with that jersey on is that I cannot guarantee your safety. <laughs> you can't. A black man in a club in Barcelona with a Figo jersey? Bro, you gotta, might as well have a fucking giant bullseye. <laughs> I ignorantly had no idea about yeah. any of this stuff. Um, So that is just fascinating. But that's dope. So, yeah... The, yeah, they campaign. So actually, there's a funny thing. So they campaign like they they promise players. They also promise like a GM. Like oh, and and with a GM, they actually usually like have them with them. It's like and it's often like a former player right. or something. You know, like he's gonna be my GM. And like here's what I'm thinking of in terms of the coach and blah blah blah. So um, the current president, the the guy who's favored to win in Barcelona is a guy named Joan Laporta, who was the president of Barcelona during the heyday of like Ronaldinho. Oh wow. And, uh, okay. The, the sort of like the sort of mid two thousands. He's campaigning to come back. And what he did is he took out a giant billboard a hundred yards away from the Madrid Stadium in Madrid with his face on it. Just like he put like he put his face on, you know, like so that everyone in Madrid could see. He's like, baby, I'm coming back. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> so yeah, it gets pretty funny. You That's know, like, awesome. Um, that is it's, amazing. It's kind of crazy that, that that happens, yeah. All right, so yeah. there you go. There's our La Liga update. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Make sure you're checking out every single Count the Dings offering. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube page. Like this. Comment. Be become part of the notification gang. We love that. Of course, we understand it's the holidays. We understand it's tough times. But if you can spare it, please. I know it's the cost of a cup of fancy coffee every month. Please become a Patreon of Count the Dings at patreon.com backslash Count the Dings. That's how we're able to push out this incredible content that we do for you guys week after week after week, man. Of course, make sure you're checking out Let's Pot It Out, Nando's Entourage um, podcast. Make sure you're just checking out everything that we have to do on the network, man. Um, we have some special things in, in, um, in store for you guys next year. We're working on so many dope things for you guys. Thank you again for your patronage, man. Fernando Vila and Rob Lopez, the evil producer. I'm Big Waz. We're out of here. Peace.